Put the fucking mic on. How we doing, folks? It's your boy, DB Barstool Sports Starting Nine, and you are listening to the End of the Bench. Scoot your ass down. Welcome to episode 116 of End of the Bench. On this episode, we are talking about playoff baseball. I know the NBA is on, but everyone knows I cover baseball most of all. I know the finals are going on. You have the Lakers and the Heat. I said Heat and six. I would like the Heat to win. The Heat looked great. I like Jimmy Buckets. I like Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Bam Adebayo. See, I know names. I don't know. I just rather have another winner. But I'm going to talk a lot about a lot of baseball. Wild card series is underway. There's two more series left. The Marlins and Cubs have postponed their game yesterday due to weather. There's a one game uh, lead, one nothing lead in the series for the Marlins and the Cardinals and Padres series. Just got tied up at one last night. But I'll break down the other ones that are actually done. I'll kick it off with the first one. The number one seed Rays versus the number eight seed Blue Jays. Look, I if you if you've been reading my blogs now, I'm running a lot lately. I posted about almost twenty blogs last month. I've been posting more. I posted one last night about the Yankees advancing and going to play the, the Tampa Bay Rays in the next series. My prediction blog was fucking terrible. It was so fucking bad. Now this series I had correct. I had the top left bracket, correct, when it comes to winners. I had the Rays, and I had the Yankees winning. Other than that, your boy, I'm I got, I, I'm not looking great. The Dodgers series, I got right. The rest of them, so far, I'm worried. I'll talk about everyone, but let's talk about the Rays first. So the Rays series, it was Rays all day long. Blake Snell and Tyler Glass now are a lethal one-two punch in this series and in the postseason. You saw Blake Snell absolutely throw Ched and Glass now through Ched 2 in Game 2. You know what? I, I was really predicting that this was going to be a sweep, and it was kind of an easy pick, not because of the talent-wise, but Charlie Montoya decided to go with Matt Shoemaker in Game 1 instead of their ace, Hunjin Ryu. His reasoning why was, I'm going to pick Hunjin Ryu to game two, give him an extra day of rest, and if we are up one nothing, we have our ace going for us in game two to seal a deal and win this series because it's best of three in this new wildcard format. It's very silly to think that you want to go with your game two starter as your ace. You go with... The game that you're in, the time and place you're in, in the moment, what is going on? It's the first game of the series, first game of the postseason. You're a young team. You are probably the worst team. I would say you're better. they were better than the Marlins. Clearly not. Going in, I thought the Marlins were the worst team out of the 16. I think a lot of people would say the same thing. But if you're the Blue Jays, you're th- going to throw your best guy out there right away. You have to. You have to throw your best guy. And they went with Matt Shoemaker. Ryu's also had postseason experience with the Dodgers. Shoemaker's a, you know, a decent, on a, on a good team, he's a four. Maybe, maybe a three. Three's pushing it. More of a four or a five. 
but they go with Ryu in game two. And Ryu pitched like shit. So that extra day arrest didn't mean anything. One and two-thirds, seven runs, three of them earned, one walk, three strikeouts, and let up two long balls. Look, they added Ross Stripling. They added Robbie Ray, in the, in the, in the, and they added Jonathan VR at the deadline. They're nice additions, but they weren't the pieces that they needed. Look, Nate Pearson was great out of the pen in game two. Five strikeouts only in, an only two, in only two innings. You can't ask for much more from a rookie like that. Next season, the Blue Jays. Blue Jays can compete for the ALEs next year. We all know the Red Sox aren't going to be there. They're one of the worst teams in all of baseball. The Orioles stink out loud. They had this one or two week thing where they were competing to, for an eight spot in the playoffs, but they're not going to be existent. The Yankees will always be there, and the Rays will be there. I think the Blue Jays could compete for the AL East and are definitely a wild card next year. Because their younger guys are getting another year of talent. Look, Nate Pearson is going to be the ace of the future for that squad, right? Guy throws 102 miles an hour. He throws 100 miles an hour majority of the time. They got a young core of hitters with Pachette and Biggio and Guerrero. And then they have Gritchick out there in center and Teoscar Hernandez. They have a good squad of hitters. A good group. They seem to like each other. Shout out Anthony Kay. He's in the bullpen. Hopefully he gets to become a starting role in there. Look, they add Robbie Ray. They'll have Ryu. Look, they have a lot of talent. But the Rays are the best team in the league, besides the Dodgers, for a reason. But looking at the Rays lineup, look, I as a, as, as a Yankee fan and as the Yankees, you're looking into the next series against the Rays. The lineup isn't, like, super scary, right? Like, Brendan Lau, or is it, is it Lowe? Brendan Lowe and Nate Lau, okay. Margo, Renfro. Renfro is the most powerful hitter, hitter in that lineup. Yeah, uh, you have Diaz, Joey Wendell. You know, Mike Sanito strikes out majority of the time of his at-bats. I know he had a home run in game two. Kevin Kiermaier is more of a defensive player as of late. I would say William Adams and like Renfro are like the and Low are the most popular and I would say the better hitters in that lineup. But they're not like a, a Gleyber Torres that's a feared hitter in the, in the league or an Aaron Judge or Stanton, right? The Blue Jays have really good hitters in the lineup, right? They have Pichette, who is a pretty damn good hitter, right? Tasker Hernandez has shown a lot of people that he can hit the long ball majority of the time. But, like, the Rays don't have a scary lineup. They just have a lineup filled with a bunch of guys that can just get hits. They have a bunch of guys, like G-Man Choi. He just does a lot of timely hitting. A lot of this whole team's a lot of timely hitting. It's the bullpen. It's the starting rotation for this Rays team. It's lethal. You have, like I said, Snell. You have Glass now. You have Charlie Morton, who Charlie Morton has had an off year this year. Morton is, if I can look up the stats real quick, I think he finished the year with 
in the fours in his ERA. I got to double check here. I'm looking at this, my blog here. Yeah. So, like, last time finished year, 5-1, and one, 91 Ks, 408 ERA. The ERA is not great, but the strikeouts there, and we already know who he is as a pitcher. Snell, 3-2-4 ERA, solid year, 4-2. and two. Charlie Morton, 2-2, two and 4-7-4 two, four, four ERA, 42 strikeouts. He hasn't been himself this year, but as a three-starter in the NLDS, solid, solid three-starter. I'll go into that series in a little bit. But for my predictions, I, did, I know I didn't do podcasts last week. I had things going on. But I had this this one correct. I had the Rays winning in two. The next series I have we'll talk about is the Oakland A's versus the Chicago White Sox. Okay. So, I had White Sox in two. You know, at one point in the season, the White Sox were first place team, best record in the American League. They were on fire. But entering the final 10 games, they lost 8 out of 10. And they dropped to the first wild card spot. And I, and I looked at it. And I thought, maybe the White Sox, this is the best move for them. Maybe it's the best move. They're facing an athletic team that has not been a very good hitting team this year. You have Matt Olson, who has a bunch of home runs, 14, I think. But he's batting a buck 95. You have Ramon Lariano, Simeon, Piscotti, all batting under 230. And the pitching staff isn't the best in the world. Lazardo's great. I want to say great. Lazardo's a good pitcher. Chris Bassett's having a hell of a year. But can they actually get the job done against a hitting lineup like this? Well, in game one, it was all White Sox. White Sox won 4-1. to Giolito was on fire. He took a perfect game into the seventh inning. Giolito was the fifth pitcher in postseason history to carry a perfect game bid through six innings. And, of course, as soon as they put that graphic on ESPN on TV, he gave up the the, uh, the next pitch, I think it was, gave up a hit to Tommy Lestella to talk about jinxing to bring up the perfect game. But he finished the game going seven innings, only allowing one run, two hits, and eight Ks. Giolito also joins Ed Walsh in 1906 as the only pitchers in White Sox postseason history to go seven innings with two or fewer hits in one or zero walks. That is what an ace looks like. And that's the problem with the A's. They don't have a a bona fide ace. Like, what does an ace look like? Like, Blake Snell and Tiger Glass now, like the ace. Like, Garrett Cole, that's, a, that's what an ace is. Shane Bieber, that's what an ace is. Julia, that's what an ace is. The A's don't have that, but they still went out and got W's. And in that game, in game one, you had Adam Angle lead up the game with a home run in the first inning. You had Jose Abreu hit a two-run home run and Gratto at home run. They hit 96 dingers last year, and this, this this past year in 2020, which is third most in all of baseball, in all the runs were scored on, on homers. But then Oakland took the next two games. Bassett pitched great in game two. Game three was a wild one. Like super, super wild. You had Fires... Didn't pitch great. Five hits, only one and two-thirds innings. Only allowed one run run, but it was a bullpen game. It was kind of a given that it was to be a bullpen game for the White Sox. I mean, for the A's. But for the White Sox, Dunning only recorded two outs. 
Dane Dunning, it was a weird thing. I, I didn't know going in he could have been this, that guy. He was going to be just a get the couple outs, and then we'll get somebody else in him. Crochet, Garrett Crochet, if you don't know who this guy is, he was drafted in the first round, 11th overall, this past year, like this year, 2020. He fucking shoves. It's it's incredible how hard he throws the fastball. It's incredible. So if you don't know about Crochet, the guy has thrown the most fastballs at the highest speed. It, it, I, I have to look up the stat real quick if I have it here. I thought I did have it here. I think I do. I wrote a huge blog on my predictions and stuff like that, so I put a ridiculous amount of information. Oh, yeah, here we go. So, yeah, Crochet was just drafted, and he's ridiculous. So, Crochet threw 85 pitches this year. 45 of them were over 100 miles per hour. That's the second most in MLB behind the Dodgers reliever, Brujar Gradwell, who had 54 pitches over 100 miles per hour. It was pretty incredible down the stretch for the White Sox in the in the regular season that we were kind of noticing this is going to be this is going to be a guy that's going to be a force to be reckoned with in the postseason for the White Sox, but he got taken out with injury. He only lasted two outs and he recorded two strikeouts. The White Sox bullpen was is I guess you can look at it was pretty good with Aaron Bummer and then Carlos Rodon came in relief. Um but it didn't hold up. The A's had timely hitting late in the game with a long Sean Murphy home run of in the in the bottom of the fourth, and then you had Chad Pender come up with a clutch RBI single scoring two RBI single scoring Murphy and Tommy Listella in the bottom of the fifth and that's all she wrote after that. The pitching for the athletics came up clutch and the guy to really look at is Liam Hendricks. Liam Hendricks the night before threw 49 pitches. I think it was the game before. It was game one. Threw 49 pitches. I think it was the game before or it was game two. I don't remember. But I know he threw 49 pitches his previous outing and he didn't look great. He then came in the top of the ninth, closed it out, three Ks, seals the deal for Oakland A's. I picked the White Sox, two games to one. I thought they were going to win because, look, you start off Jesus, Jesus Lazardo for the athletics, right? The, oh, the White Sox were 14-0 facing left-handed hitters. This season, entering games Versus lefties, and the A's threw a lefty in game one. And guess what they did? They won game one. Tim Anderson, the White Sox, said, I guess they have another homework. I thought it was pretty funny. But they sealed the deal. They, the A's won, and they're going to be going on to the next round to face the Houston Astros. And let's talk about those damn Astros. I hate, hate... The Astros, just as much as, I guess you're listening. The Astros took game one off of the very poor defense. Look, if you know, if you know, you guys do know, but if you don't know by now, I worked for the Twins in 2018, so I have a little soft spot 
for the Twinkies. I do. I think the Minnesota Twins had a real shot to go far in the postseason. I had them winning the fucking World Series. I had the Twins winning the World Series. I thought they were that good. With Byron Buxton, he freaking was on fire to end the season. Of course, he gets concussion line of symptoms towards the end of the year, and he doesn't even play game two. I'll get into game two in a second, which uh, was incredible. So, you had Buxton, who was on fire. You had Nelson Cruz, who was an MVP candidate. You had Max Kepler, who had a rough year, but he's still a threat. You have Eddie Rosario, who finished the year on a high note. You have pitching. Kenta Maeda has had a fantastic year. Jose Barrios has shown some signs of being an ace and also showing signs of being a freaking five-starter. But this team has a good bullpen as well. With with veteran Sergio Romo. With hard-throwing righty Trevor May. You have hard-throwing lefty and closer Taylor Rogers, Tyler Duffy. There is a lot to be happy about as a Twins fan. You have all these pieces, but yet again, the Twins can't win the postseason. The Twins fans were probably like, hey, look, we're not facing the Yankees in the first round. Thank you, Lord. We're not facing them. This was the one series that every single baseball fan was a Twins fan. And one play changed the entire game in game one. That play came in the ninth inning. The ground ball to Jorge Polanco, who's as smooth as you can get as a shortstop. It was a hard hit ball. I'll give you that. It was hit on the nose. A piss rocket. In between hop. He gets it. Off bounce. Throws it away. Pulls um, Luis Arias off the bag. And then after that, everything turns into shit. Everything turns into shit. All he had to do was throw on the button. Game one went over. Game one. Twins. And then they have the advantage up one nothing, at home. I know that home thing doesn't even matter. Right? There's no home field advantage. But I want to add something here. The Astros had the worst road record in the entire league. In the entire league. They had nine wins on the road. How the hell can you do that? How is that possible? It's so bad. But yet the Astros won on the road in both games. They were up 2-1 and then three runs came in after Michael Brantley blew the game wide open. But the big note here is that the Twins extended their all-time postseason record. To 17 straight losses. 17 straight. That's the longest postseason losing streak in baseball history. Knicks ended the next game with 18. They also have the most consecutive postseason losses in all four major sports. The Blackhawks had 16 games in a row they lost from 1975 to 79. The Pistons lost 14 games straight. From 2008 to 2019. And the Kings in hockey lost from 1993 to 2001, 14 games. Which the Kings, uh, you know, 
it's it's it's, it's incredible. I don't know what to say. It was an embarrassing, embarrassing loss. I mean, the Twins had this game until the seventh inning. Kenta Maeda didn't have the best stuff, but he did a good enough job to keep the Twins in the ball game. Tyler Duffy, who had a very good year out of the pen, played horribly in this game. In this game, and do you remember Game Two, ALDS, two thousand nineteen? Duffy left four runs and only recorded two outs. In this game, he left three hits, only allowed one run, and then the rest of the bullpen just shit the bed. Now, I wrote, if the Twins want to win this series, the bullpen needs to step up. And guess what didn't happen in game two? Well, no one stepped up at all. Not one. Nobody stepped up. The only guy that actually stepped up was Nelson Cruz, who scored both runs in both games. So in game two, you had Jose Barrios starting for the Twins. Like I said before, they, the Twins needed Barrios today. In game two, they needed him to be the the ace, the big time prospect, the top five prospect that they have seen and have seen over the years. They needed the all star, and he just didn't get it done. He just didn't get it done. Five innings, one earned run, two walks, four strikeouts. I wish he went a little longer because the bullpen did not take get it done. Trevor May did his job. Taylor Rogers did not. Duffy did his job. But the the problem is, is that the Twins, one, didn't have Josh Donaldson, right? We knew that going into game one. But then game two, Buxton was out. Didn't really tell us what Baldelli was interviewed during the game, saying that he kind of declined confirming what the possibilities of what he was experiencing, what Buxton was experiencing. But it looked like he was concussion, concussion-like symptoms. But many sources feel like that that was the case. So Baldelli started rookie outfielder Alex Kirov. Kirov, first-round pick at Tommy John surgery, monster bat, monster bat. This kid's going to be a star for the Twins in the future. Probably next year, he'll be a, he'll be a starting player in the outfield. Um, I don't know where, because I know maybe right field, maybe, because. I don't even know. That outfield is so stacked with Kepler and Buxton and Rosario. I mean, Kirilov will be a platoon player until Buxton gets hurt again. Then he'll play, be playing right field like he did in game two. But he started in right field. Kirilov started in right field, and he became the first player in history to make his major league debut in the postseason. Did a solid job. I mean, for, for a young kid like that to get his first major league at bats, in a pressure game two elimination series. It's fucking crazy. He singled in the fourth. Had a nice sliding catch. But it didn't seal the deal for the Twins. Look, you know, Kathleen Russell, I'm very proud of him. Yeah, me too. But the rest of the team was terrible. The Twins just played poorly all, se- all series long. They legit forgot how to hit. Like I said before, Nelson Cruz was the only guy that had drive-in runs in this series. I mean, you saw, and you also saw two horrible moments by two outfielders for the Twins. Byron Buxton pitched it in the eighth inning, pitch ran, excuse me, in the in the eighth inning, and then was picked off immediately. This is the fastest guy in baseball, the best base dealer. He ran a four three forty in high school. This guy is blazing speed. 
This is why he's the best, one of the best defensive center fielders, maybe the best defensive center fielder in the game. Look, when I was listening to the game and Tim Kirchner said that he legit brings his defense brings up the entire team's letter a letter grade in defense. Like say like the team's defense was a C without Buxton, it would be a B with Buxton. So without him in the outfield and on the bases, it's a huge loss. And he gets picked off as soon as he gets into the game. And then right fielder Eddie Rosario was got, a, got ejected for arguing balls and strikes. You can't fucking have that. That's a bonehead, selfish, stupid move by Rosario. And then Jay Cave had a freaking pitch hit for him, and then he strikes out in the eighth. To add the cherry on top, the Twins get swept again. And the Twins were swept by the only team in American League history to make the playoffs with a freaking losing record. So what do you do if you're the Twins? You enter the offseason on a sour note yet again. 18 straight consecutive... It's it's insane to even say. 18 straight losses in the postseason, which is an all-time record. You are back-to-back AL Central champions but with nothing to show for in the postseason. They have 10 players going to be free agents in the offseason, including Nelson Cruz, who led the team in home runs and batting averages the past two years. If you're a Twins fan, you hope you can re-sign Cruz, get some other additions in the offseason, but, I mean, you you got to get to the postseason next year Win the division again, and win, just if you just if the Twins just win a game, if the Twins just win one playoff game, if they lose, see, look, it's like the format's the same thing next year. Wild cards. If they just win one of three, dude, Twins fans will be happy. Just win one. Once you win one, that giant monkey is gonna be off your back, and there's gonna be a lot more swagger a little more people people more you know be more relaxed it'll be fun to play but they didn't get it and that was an ugly series it was an ugly series so the last american league playoff game and then after the break we'll go over straight into the national league the yankees and indians game 1 thought it would be a pitching duel definitely not it was all New York. The New York Yankees scored 12 runs in a bloodbath against the, he will be the Cy Young Award winner, Shane Bieber. Bieber, four and two-thirds innings, nine hits, seven earned runs, seven strikeouts, and two long balls in this game. Yeah. We thought it would be in the freaking pitching duel with Cole and Bieber. I thought so. I mean, it'd be pretty entertaining. But guess what? Garrett Cole pitched freaking great. Seven innings, six hits, two earned, 13 strikeouts. He did let up a freaking long, long home run to Josh Naylor. Hey, maybe next year Naylor can be a real difference maker for the Indians because I remember him coming up as a prospect, I think, for the Padres organization. When I think there was a big trade between them. I think maybe, did he come over? I don't even know. Whatever. He's a big dude. Big guy. He can rake. But the guys that needed to hit home runs, that needed to have, or just to have a good game, 
played really well. Judge homered. Torres homered. Stanton homered. Gardner homered. Everyone knows Judge can be a difference maker. He's had pretty good success in the postseason. He's had pretty good success. The guy who needs to continue his hitting rampage is Giancarlo Stanton. Stanton in the postseason, not a lot of material to show, right? But we have seen over the years, since he's been a Yankee, he's been hurt all the time. He's back. He's healthy. He's DHing. That's a big thing. He's DHing. You have Garner in left, Hicks in center, Judge in right. I'm sure you'll see more Frazier in there as well and playing in left. But Garner's been playing pretty well in the postseason. He had three RBIs in game one. But we all know DJ's going to be there. Luke Voigt's going to be there. You're going to have Torres. Torres had a very good game in game one. I'm happy you see that. But if Stanton can be the difference maker, this is the guy. This is the guy that needs to step up throughout the postseason. I guess you can kind of look at it as like an A-Rod situation. We all know A-Rod was this amazing, amazing regular season coach. I mean, regular season player, right? MVPs, mashing 50 home runs a year, all-stars, you know, the, all the works. But when it came to the postseason, he couldn't get it done. In 2009, that postseason run, he was the guy. He stepped up in a huge way. Everyone knew Jeter was going to be the guy. You know, Jeter was going to be there. You know, Cano was going to be clutch. Damon could hit. Matsui crushed in the World Series. You you guys remember in 2001 off Pedro, right? He had a good World Series. But A-Rod was going to be that difference maker. Could he step up and be the MVP of the team? And he did. Stanton needs to be this year's A-Rod. He needs to step up. He needs to be the guy that the Yankees can be behind. And with Stanton playing well, oh look, with Luke Voigt playing well, and he takes a lot of pressure off of other players. With Stanton playing well, he could do the same exact thing. Right? Look, DJ LeMayu, that guy is the machine. That's what all the boys are calling him. He's the machine. He has no emotion. He's fine. DJ can hit batting champion. We know that. With Stan, if he can start hitting well and continuing hit another home run in game two, we'll talk about that in a second, he could take pressure off other players like Judge or Torres. Gio Rochello can do the same thing for other players as well, and he fucking raked in game two. Let's talk about game two. Royal blog last night talking about the win and going on to the next series against the Rays. Took nearly five hours to the game, for the game to end in Game Two. The Yankees and Indians played the longest game in Major League history, over five, well, almost. It was like four hours and fifty minutes. And you could say thank you to Mother Nature and the league office, because there was an absolute monsoon hurricane that was calling through Cleveland. But Major League Baseball decided to do a fifty-minute rain delay before rain actually started, and then around eight o'clock, after about a half inning, Cleveland was hit with a giant hurricane. It looked like a hurricane. There was just a shit ton of wind, a lot of rain coming. It's coming sideways. I have a feeling they didn't even look at the freaking radar. I mean, the Indians smacked around Tanaka right after they 
took the tarp off, and they're like, all right, let's put the tarp back on for another 20 minutes. How does that make any sense? Now, if you know baseball, rain delays can really screw around with your with your starting pitcher. Luckily, Tanaka you know, stayed in there, but it, you can definitely tell it may, it did it to, uh, some effect to him. Four innings, six earned runs, and guess what? Carlos Carrasco was affected by it too. Four runs in third inning, in three innings. So the, the starting pitchers were definitely affected by this wildly long rain delay. But besides the long-ass rain delay, you had a postseason classic game. If you're a Yankee fan and you watch Yes a lot, you know the show called Yankee Classics. Guess what? This is a Yankee classic without a doubt. So last night's, I'm reading my blog here. Um, Game two's hero was former Cleveland Indians infielder, Gio Urshela. Urshela played nine years in the minors and two for the big leagues with the Indians. And he showed the Indians what they were missing. Look, at the time, they had a stacked infield, right? The Indians had, at the time when he was traded to Toronto, the Indians had, of course, Lindor at third, Kittis at second, Santana at first, and Jose Ramirez at third. There was no room for him. None. And at the time, Urshela was not a good hitter. He was a plus defender. Everyone knew he could snag it at third. I mean, the guy was coming into World Series games in when they faced the Cubs at World Series. He was coming into the game for defense. And he was a young kid then, too. But in the fourth inning, he took legit a huge surprise. Everyone knows Rochelle has got some pop, but he hit a freaking missile grand slam in the fourth inning that put the Yankees up 5-4. And then Arshello made a game-saving double play off the seat of his ass in the bottom of the eighth inning with Chapman on the mound. Without Arshello, the Yankees would be playing game three. And who knows who would win that game? Because J.A. Happ would have started that game. And yes, the last couple starts he's had, he's pitched freaking great. But we know who J.A. Happ is now. We know who Happ can be. If you throw Garcia in, kids young, good pitcher. It's going to be a good pitcher for the Yankees down the road. Could he pitch in game three? Who knows? And Jordan Montgomery, if that motherfucker gets the ball at all, at all, they're not they're not winning the game. He should never be pitching in 2020 ever again. Guy gets shelled left and right. I, I know it all too well because I watch all the games all the time. So that's the series. The American League side of it is all done. You had the Yankees taking two games win. You had the Rays winning, the Astros won, and the White Sox won. I'm sorry, the A's won. Excuse me. I wish the White Sox won. So, ALDS coming up. Astros, Athletics. Look, got the whole series wrong already. I'm going to pick Oakland. I can't see the Astros winning this series. They don't have enough pitching. The fact that the Twins couldn't hit their shitty pitching. They have Zach Greinke, and then that's it. McCullers has been off and on. Of course, he's been even injured, too, in the past with Tommy John surgery. Unfortunately, they don't have their ace, Justin Verlander, who has gone down with Tommy John surgery, and he's no longer pitching in this year. There was uh, there was possibilities towards the, I think, the later half of the, the, later half of the last month of the season. They're like, hey, look, I think he could maybe 
start the postseason. He could maybe come back. No, he's done. And also, the Astros' hitters aren't what they used to be. Altuve, Bregman, Springer, Reddick, they all, Correa, they all suck now. They're all really bad. I know Correa hit a, hit a freaking home run in game two. But they're not who they used to be. And something I didn't mention, Carlos Correa, shut your fucking mouth. You're saying that, you know, everyone's counting us out. You know, we're going to be the underdogs. Dude, read the room, man. You guys cheated to win a World Series. You guys cheated to win a World Series. And you're playing the, you know, the poor me card. Why not us card? Dude, fuck you. Your social media team and your team as you know, in general should just stay quiet. Stay quiet. Why are you talking? I'll never understand why were they just rambling. I can't I can't imagine I can't I can't even imagine like the PR teams like, oh my god, this is actually happening. So anyway, I have Oakland winning this series. I have it winning the series because of the Astros starting pitching and the bullpen. Their bullpen isn't that great. Look, they showed signs of, of pretty good stuff against the Twins, but the Twins could hit shit. Ryan Presley, I guess I would say, is the most reliable guy in that Astros pen. Other than that, I can't even name any, to be honest with you. But I have Oakland winning this series. I'm going to say Oakland wins in six. It's a goal. I'm sorry, it goes in five. It's a five-game series. I think they're going to win five. It's going to be a long one. Um, but yes, I have no one in five. Now, as for the Yankees and Rays, well, the Yankees and Rays series is going to be interesting. I had this series correct going at in my prediction blog. I have the Rays winning the series in, I think, in five. Now, this is seeing the Rays win in five without seeing the Yankees score 22 freaking runs in two games. And with the clutch hitting they have. Now look, if the Yankees want to win this series, they, their pitching needs to step up. I mean, you saw how terrible they were against the Rays this past year. Now, I know the, the Rays haven't had a lot of had a lot of experience in the, in the American League Division Series. It's only their sixth time going in. And they really don't have that much success. I mean, they've only won one division series, which was back in 2008 when they beat the Chicago White Sox three games to one. And then that year, they also went to the World Series. On the other hand, the Rays own the Yankees this season. They won eight of ten games they played. But in the postseason, they've never played against each other. So it's a brand new series for both teams. But like I said before, if the Yankees want to win this series, their pitching needs to step up. It's, it's, it's it. You know, another thing to notice, though, in this series, pay attention to this. Watch how the Yankees' decision-making is put into play. That is a big thing. Because we saw late in Game 2 that Aaron Boone was just not making the right decisions late in the game. You put 25-year-old Ryan Hanner, Jonathan Lewisica, who is a young kid. Hey, the guy throws fucking fuzz. 98-plus. Up and in. He's a good right-handed pitcher. Young kid. But he's not good enough to be put in late-game situations. Like in the eighth inning. If you were going to put Chapman in the eighth, 
Why not put him in the start? He look, this is what Boone does. He's been doing it all year long. Even in his in his kind of his short career as a Yankee manager, he's done this, but majority of the time in 2020, he's done this a lot. He tries just kind of getting outs as many outs as possible out of some guys. And just tries reaching for outs. But sometimes I'm like, hey, dude, this is do that you have to, you are up one nothing. Put your best guy out there. And let's be honest, the Yankees' bullpen hasn't been that great at all this year. Out of Vino, I really wish maybe Boom can maybe put more out of Vino in game in the next series against the Rays. But out of Vino's been terrible. Chad Green has been hit or miss. I would say Luis Sess has been pretty successful this year. Britton has been pretty successful. But the rest of the guys, like Chapman is Chapman's freaking. Um, it's like a heart attack waiting to happen every single time he's on the mound. I'm sweating every time he he goes to pitch. So yeah, there's a lot of things that needs to be fixed. But if Boone can fix that questionable decision making late in games, the Yankees could have a shot. Now, as like I said before, the Yankees scored 22 runs, right? It's a lot of runs, but the Yankees are also playing the, one of the best pitching staffs in the league. Like I said way before earlier in the, in the podcast, with Snell and Glass now looking like Maddox and Smoltz in that first series against the Blue Jays. But it's gonna be fun to watch. Game one, Monday night. There's no time yet for for every game, but all games will be on TBS. So that's part one of the podcast. I know I just dove straight in 40, almost 45 minutes, almost 40 minutes on on the Yankees, a lot of Yankee talk, but American League wildcard series is done. Two of the four series are done in the National League wildcard series. I'll get into the series that are done and the series that are under that are going right now. So uh, let me take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about the rest of the players. Okay, let's talk about the National League wildcard series. The first one, Dodgers versus the Brewers. One Dodgers, eight Brewers. Dodgers won the series two games to none. This is one of the series I got right. And guess what? I would say everybody got this one right. So far, got this one right, the Rays one right, and the Yankees one right. Two of the three of those were the easiest ones. So I'm not giving myself that much credit. Because, I mean, everyone probably picked those. Anyway, the Milwaukee Brewers barely made the playoffs to begin with. And unfortunately, they weren't going to win this one. With Yelich struggling so badly, like so badly, it's a shame because he is an MVP type player. He's won the MVP before. He is a batting champion. He's an all-star. He's one of the best players in the game. What's very interesting to see is that we're, we played the, 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 the baseball played 60 games. It was, some teams played 60. Some teams played 54 or 58, whatever. Players don't start really getting into their, this, their groove, unfortunately, maybe till 60 games. And they start taking like, oh, there's a lot of career guys that are just for their whole career. They're just slow starters. Like the one that guy that I always talk about being a slow starter is Mark Teixeira. He has made it throughout his career as a pretty damn good hitter. Power hitter. I think he has over. He definitely has over 300. I don't know if he has 400 home runs or not. 
But the guy has a career of just slow starts. Takes him a while. Now, 60 games taking is, is, is pretty damn long. I mean, the, the season's 162. So could have Yelich picked it up the rest of the 100 games, 102 games? Sure. But Yelich, have, not having Yelich to being that MVP top guy for the Brewers in the playoffs is tough. Because Braun's older. He's not who he used to be. I mean, this lineup in game one is just super weird. Yelich leading off. Braun two. Jed Jerko is your first baseman. Yeesh. Vogelback, who the Mariners kicked to the curb, who can't bat his weight, and he's a big guy. Obviously, El Garcia can hit. You had Arcia, who's more of a defensive shortstop. Eric Sogart, who has shown shown signs of hitting career highs, but he's more of a defensive second baseman, a defensive infielder. Just it's just not a it's not a good Brewer team like we've seen in the past couple of years. But the pitching was what the better was what carried this this team throughout the year. And they didn't have their best player in Devin Williams, who was the rookie. Who is, I think, I know Jake Cronenworth. I've said Cronenworth or even Dustin May as a rookie of the year, but I think it's going to be Devin Williams. The guy is under one year array for the year. I would love to see him in late inning situations in this postseason, but not having him and just kind of a big loss. Because that bullpen is really just like like Suter is nice. He's not great. And then they have Hayter and Williams. And without Williams, this team is tough to get get out. So, I mean, in game two, after like the first inning, they had everybody was stretched and warmed. Everybody was getting stretching. Everybody was warm. It was a hilarious visual to see. They, you know, the bullpen cameras, everybody was up and getting ready. And then they were going to get a call like, all right, you're going to go in. But the Dodgers have just too good of a lineup, man. In game one, they won 4-2. Betts an RBI single. Um, excuse me, RBI double. Seager had an RBI. Will Smith had an RBI. Pollock had an RBI. And Bueller pitched pretty well. I know it's only four innings, but he had eight strikeouts in the bullpen. Pitched great. Trident played great. Urias played great. And Jansen, who... The, you know what? The guy's been a light saw closer. Has he shown signs of struggle? Absolutely. Through his career. Lately in his career. I was a little worried last uh, in game one when I saw that he wasn't touching 90 on the cutter. He was touching like 86, topping 88. So that's why he wasn't pitching game two. It's not because of rest. He threw 16 pitches. It's not crazy. He could pitch in game two. It was more of like there. I would be a little worried if I was a Dodger fan. If I was the Dodgers, worried about his velocity. And we all, everyone knows, they got the secret weapon, Bruzel Gratterall. He's probably the next closer once Jansen's career's done, or Jansen's moved on from the Dodgers, or Jansen's role's been changed. I think Gratterall should be the closer. But as of now, Jansen's been the guy. But this was a clean, clean. A clean and easy sweep for the Dodgers in game two last night. 
We saw Clayton Kershaw be the regular season Clayton Kershaw we've always seen through his career. Eight innings, three hits, one walk, 13 punches, 13 strikeouts. Now, in MLB postseason history, the most games with 10 Ks in the postseason, Verlander has seven, Clayton Kershaw has six, Cliff Lee, Randy Johnson, and Bob Gibson have five. So Kershaw has had success in the postseason, it's, but you know his career overall in the postseason slash World Series is not good. But here's something to really think about. We're at 60 games. We're almost at the midpoint. If we're playing a whole season, we're almost halfway. This is when a lot of hitters start clicking. This is when a lot of pitchers start clicking in, getting into a groove. They've played every game. They're playing consistent games. You know, they're not missing starts. They're getting into this repetitive, um, you know, their training regimen. They're, they're doing the same things every single day. This is when certain guys start to click. And Clayton Kershaw is, def- you know, they're playing in October baseball. They're playing playoff baseball. But Clayton Kershaw hasn't pitched 30 starts this year. You know what I'm saying? He's just pitched 10. He's had a hell of a year, 6-2, and 216 ERA, 62 punches in 58 innings. But he's only played 10 games. He hasn't pitched 30 or 32, so he's not tired. He's pitching at the right time, and he's playing the Kershaw we all know now in the postseason. This is a scary guy to see the rest of the way. I have a feeling we're going to keep seeing this Kershaw throughout the postseason if they go keep going longer. Look, I have the Dodgers losing next series to the Padres if the Padres make it. We'll get to the Padres series in a second, which I think they will. They're going to take game three. But this is the guy to be scary if the Dodgers keep going forward. This is the guy. So this series was quick, easy, done. The Red Series, Jesus, this frustrate me. Number two, Braves versus the Cincinnati Reds are number seven. In my prediction blog, I had the Reds going to the American League Championship Series. I'm sorry, National League Championship Series. I had them going that far, going to the pennant games. I had them winning this this series 2-1. to one. The Braves lineup, don't get me wrong, stacked. Acuna, Alzuna, the MVP, and Freddie Freeman. I think he's the MVP. You have Albies and Adam Duvall, Dansby Swanson, Austin Riley, Travis Darno. They have a stacked lineup. I just thought the pitching wouldn't stack up against this pretty damn good Reds lineup. This was my sleeper team. And on Saturday, last Saturday, after they clinched the playoff spot, Votto went to talk to the media and said, I feel like we're a fucking nightmare, and I think everyone knows it. I thought he was right. This lineup with Votto, Mustakis, Castellanos, Suarez, Winker, I thought they would just mash this pitching staff for the Braves. The Braves showed up big time in this series. In game one, you had a pitching duel. 
Max Freed, who had a very good season for the Atlanta Braves. The guy shoved. Versus Trevor Bauer, who is going to be the Cy Young Award winner. I think he deserves it. Does the Grom deserve it? Absolutely. But I think Max Fried also has a shot as well. Two two five ERA, fifty Ks, seven and zero in eleven starts. In this game, he had seven strong shutout innings, six hits, five Ks. The bullpen was stupid good. Martin, Melanson, Smith, O'Day, Madsen, Green, Minter. They allowed five hits in the entire time they were out there. They K'd everybody. 11 punch-outs. That bullpen had 11 punch-outs and allowed only three walks. This Reds lineup couldn't hit shit. Now, we're talking about Bowers Day, seven and two-thirds, two hits, 12 Ks. Iglesias pitched pretty well in this game. One and one, one in the third innings pitched, four Ks. Lucas Sims pitched really good in game one and in game two. But the guys that they, like, are they got Archie Bradley from the D-backs. It was his runs that were, that, that were accounted to him, but... Amir Garrett blew the game because he was on the mound when, they, when the when the Braves scored on a Freddie Freeman walk-off single after Acuna doubled. Was it Acuna that doubled? I don't know. It doesn't matter. But the point is that the Reds, who have been a very good hitting team this year, could not get it done after... Trevor Bauer and the bullpen, for the time being, played very well. Now in game two, do or die. Another great pitching matchup for this game. You had Castillo, who throws Ched for the Reds. Seven Ks through five and a third. And then Ian Anderson, nine strikeouts. A one-two punch like this, man, is scary for the Atlanta Braves. And the Braves won. Braves used their home run bats. I mean, Alzuna had a freaking career year, and he had a home run today um, in game two. And then Adam Duvall also homered. This Braves team, did I, I didn't give them enough credit. Ian Anderson is a huge, huge boost for this team down the stretch in the next series. Let's talk about um, what series do I have left here? So we just talked about the Dodgers, talked about the Braves. Let's talk about the Cardinals and Padres. Game one, Cardinals took it. Seven to four. I had, let's see. I'm almost positive that I took the Padres in this series. Yep, I took the Padres in this series two to one. This was probably the hardest pick for me. The Cardinals had the toughest season out of any team in the league. COVID-19 hit this team bad. They only played 58 of the 60 games. I think they played 44 games in 33 days or something. They they had the most doubleheaders out of any team in the league. But they still managed to make the postseason. After their team really couldn't score runs down the stretch, it was their pitching that killed it. 
I was very impressed with this team, and so is everybody else. But the Padres have been America's team this year. It's the the Slam Diego Padres with Machado and Tatis and Hosmer and Cronenworth and Will Myers having a career year. Adding Clevenger and then Lamette playing really well down the stretch. And Chris Paddock's had some moments. Zach Davies is having a hell of a year. The bullpen has been lights out with Pomerantz and Pagan. And they are not having Kirby Yates is a big, big, big miss. That's a big fucking miss. Like they have not having Yates, who's the best closer in the league, stats wise last year, is it's a huge loss. But they added Trevor Rosenthal, who is one of my favorite pitchers of all time. I know it's very weird, but he's one of my favorites of all time. But the Padres in game one, they looked soft. They looked very quiet. Paddock had a terrible game. Six earned runs. Only lasted two and a third innings pitched. The bullpen pitched great after after that. Rosendahl let up a run in the ninth inning. But the rest of the time, the bullpen was lights out. The Cardinals, on the other hand, they had some timely hitting. They had good hitting. Yadier Molina has had more games played in the postseason than all the Padres combined. I think Eric Hosmer has almost half the amount of games played in the postseason than everybody else. I think Will Myers, I think, was he part of the Rays when they were there? I don't remember. But, you know, you could say Rosenthal. You can say uh, Tommy Pham with the Cardinals. Uh, Manny Machado with the Orioles had some time. Um, yeah, not not a lot of experience on this team. So game one went to the Cardinals. Game two last night, holy shit, I watched that entire game. A back-and-forth affair. It was amazing. Tatis homered twice. Will Myers homered uh, twice. Manny Machado homered. It was a barrage of dingers. Some stat I saw on Twitter last night. Fernando Tatis Jr., Will Myers, Babe Ruth, and Lou Gehrig. All in the same sentence. Why? Only two times in postseason history has a teammate had two players, has a team had two players with multi home run games in the same game. That was last night in the 1932 World Series. Pretty good company when you add yourself with Lou Gehrig and Babe Ruth. Tatis hit this mammoth shot to right field to and and a pimp job like no other. I think this is the the best pimp bat flip pimp job I've seen we've all seen since Jose Batista did it in the playoffs some time ago in Toronto. That bat is still flying. But that's exactly what baseball wants. It's exactly who we want to see do this. I mean, remember, you guys remember the three oh grand slam he hit? And the Rangers are tight, they're pissed, saying it's unsport it's not Baseball-like, you know, the etiquette, there's all bullshit, unwritten rules. My ass. It's exactly what baseball wanted to see. It's exactly what the Padres wanted to see. The Slam Diego Padres are back. As soon as they were in this game, you saw they were down. But as soon as they got back in, the swagger was on. The excitement was on. They were tuned in. But the thing is, they need to be tuned in from the get-go to win this series. Look. We all know, not having Lamette, not having Clevenger, sucks balls. Not having Chris Paddock pitch well in game one, sucked. Um, Let's see. Not having Zach Davies pitch really good in game two, sucks balls. The bullpen has done a fantastic job so far. They have been worth these two games. 
They don't even know who pitching game three, which is today. But they're going to be facing my favorite pitcher in the bigs, Jack Flaherty. I want the Padres to win. I like the Cardinals a lot in this game, too. It's going to be an awesome game to watch. I'm going to be watching it, 7.08 start on ESPN. I'm excited. I'm excited to see that. In the last series, that we've only seen one game because of a game two postponement last night at 2.08 today. You will see game two is the game one series against the Chicago Cubs and the Miami Marlins. The Marlins took game one 5-1. A year ago at this time, the Marlins front office rebuilt the entire franchise. We uh, was tasked with advancing this franchise and building the, this new process. They've been rebuilding the last couple of years ever since uh, Jeter came in, trading Stanton, Yelich, Ozuna, Muto away, but whatever. The club had come off a 105-loss season. They've revamped this team to have some of these weird, quirky impact players, and now they're up one nothing in the wild card series against the Chicago Cubs, who are got a stacked team. But is this like the last time we're going to see this stacked team together, though? You know, I had the Cubs in two, and a lot of team, a lot of people probably had the same thing. You know, the Marlins shocked the whole world that this that they came into the playoff. The Phillies fucking tanked. All they needed to do was win two freaking games, and they tanked. Look, it's a great story. This young team, super hungry. You know, wants to prove everyone wrong. I thought they would be swept, but look, they have a real shot. Today is the game two. They could sweep this and go play in the next round. But for the Cubs, man, this is the biggest game the Cubs have had since Game 7 of the World Series, and they won. The weights, the Cubs are better than Marlins. They are. But the real thing to think about is the Cubs are not what we saw when they won the World Series, right? Chris Bryant's not the MVP like we saw. I think he had, I think he had 11 RBIs in the year. He's had a horrible year. Rizzo and Ian Happ have taking this team and throwing them on their shoulders. Like, Ian Happ's been amazing this year. Javi Baez has been a disappointment. In game one, where did he bat? So we have one, two, three, four, five, six. He bat seventh in game two. Wills Willen Contreras. Been good. But he's also a guy that hasn't been playing great. Jason Hayward, we all know what kind of hitter he is. He's shown, he's shown signs over the past year or so. And he is a good hitter. And then also, he's a horrible hitter. Is this the last time we could see this group together? A lot of these guys are free agents next year. They're getting older. The staff is not the same. This could be a new situation for the Cubs for the near future. They have the right guy on the mound, though. They have you, Darvish, who is a Cy Young candidate. But they're also facing... Young right-handed pitcher, Cisco Sanchez, who a lot of the comps I've hearing, a lot of people are calling him uh, a Pedro Martinez. You can see it in his delivery, his demeanor on the mound, his stuff. I'm not saying he is Pedro, but the comps are him. There are people comparing him to Pedro Martinez. But the Cubs lose this. One, it's the... We're going to see highlights again of Steve Bartman 
back in 2003 when the Marlins and Cubs had that epic series. But this will be like a loss like that, where the Cubs lost to a really mediocre team. And then you might be seeing a new turn for the Chicago Cubs. With players gone, people losing faith in the Cubbies. Because it's winter, it's it's World Series or bust. This lineup's too good. This team's too good with the pitching and the hitting. It's too good. But we'll we'll see game two start at two oh eight. Sanchez versus Darvish. I'm I'm excited to see that. Um, the Yankee series starts on Monday. ALDS and LDS start next week. It's gonna be fun. Postseason baseball has been great. I know it's a long podcast on postseason baseball. Look, I've been writing a lot more about baseball. I do throw in some college football here and there. I do throw in some baseball. I mean, I mean some NFL. Look, for the past 116 podcasts, I've talked majorly about baseball, but I've mixed in a lot of other sports. I might be doing a transition where I might talk only baseball, and I'll throw in one or it's in a blue moon, a different topic in sports if, it, if I think I'm interested in. Do I cover everything? Do I watch everything all the time? Of course. I watched the, the the Jets game last night, the Jets and Broncos, which was a horrible game to watch. I mean, going into it, horrible game. It actually was pretty entertaining going down to the wire. And, of course, the Jets lose in, in Jets fashion. But this is what I might be doing from here on out on the podcast. I play college baseball. I play baseball my whole life. I worked for a baseball team. Baseball is my favorite sport. I can't cover everything. But I'm going to cover baseball a lot the next month with the playoffs. So if you like baseball, if you like the postseason, if you like me talking about it, keep listening. If you don't, hang in there. You might like it. So um, thanks for listening. We'll catch you guys next week on episode 117 of End of the Bench. This is episode 116. Go subscribe to my YouTube channel, Taylor Ringgold. Go Find me on Instagram and Twitter and go find End of the Bench blog on WordPress. You just type in End of the Bench blog WP at WordPress.com. You find all my blogs there. And uh, yeah, more content to come. We'll see you guys next week. Peace. She 
Sending all the friends, snap some of new tracks. Cause all these hoes know what's about to come next. I hit my plug up, got the baby connect. I drop a couple bands, I just wanna go. Man, I just wanna go flex. Gold on my teeth and on my neck. And I'm stone cold with the flags from the squad, and I'm smoking up a check. Man, I just wanna go flex. Gold on my teeth and on my neck. 